another call of one of the ads from Tony Curtis. You know, I thought it was a joke. I thought he should be an impersonator. Who's even, Tony you know, Curtis? Tony Curtis, the actor. <laughs> I'd be sorry and, to apologize. And he's, he has, I know, it's before your time, but he, he, you know, he ordered a call and I went up to see him. But he had this Bel Air mansion he was living in. So I had to, I had to go through that, that uh, gate check to get to the mansion. And he didn't want me to go home, you know, and, and it was weird. He, he did not want me to go home. So one night turned into two nights, turned into a week, and he just kept not wanting me to go home. And I wound up being out there with him for about four months. Whoa. His real name's Bernie. Believe it or not, his real name's Bernie Schwartz. Hmm. I thought that it was so funny. He wanted me to call him Bernie, you know. In his mind, he would write me poems. He wrote me songs. He made a painting of me. I mean, we just what? had a really brief affair. Yeah, I guess you call good. it, you know. Yeah, and then, and that could have gone. That could have gone a whole other direction. I don't know. And I still don't know if I made the right decisions that I made. I mean, the problem is he was freebasing constantly. You know, <laughs> 80s. and and he. I start to go home, and he's going, "No, I don't want you to go home." And you know, but then. He won't eat. He won't sleep. He just is constantly freebasing. And so I'm getting scared. I mean, he's an older man, you know, and he's losing weight. And he's starting to hallucinate. And he just starts, blah, 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 you know, like, I mean, just babbling. I mean, I can tell he's he's really having a breakdown. I could not get him to stop. And I couldn't get him to go see a doctor. And, I mean, I just, he's a grown man. You can't control him. He's over 18, right? Yeah. And I tried and tried, and then finally um, I sat him down and said, look, you know, I would like to stay. I really care about you. I genuinely really care about you. I said, but I, I can't watch you do this anymore. I can't, you know, because he's like dying in front of me. I mean, how do you watch this? Yeah. Right? And I said, if you're not going to stop doing this, I, I can't continue to watch this. I said, I'm, I'm going home now. Three days later, he had collapsed, and they brought him into Mount Sinai, and he almost died. Hmm. You know, so he he was like, I mean, on his last legs then, and it it broke my heart. I would have I would have loved to stay with him. I really enjoyed the time with him. I thought he was a creative. He was a very frustrated creative genius. Let's put it that way. Yeah. As I'm getting to know Alex, right? Yeah. I mean. Because this this Beverly Hills cop guy, you know, he's he's the one that calls me up. And says that, you know, he's got somebody he wants me to meet. And then he introduces me, takes me up to some house, you know, and just some house up in the canyons, right? And there's, um, and I didn't know who Chuck Barris was at the time, you know? Who's that book's Chuck Barris, right? I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this, again, you got to realize without the internet, you don't know who people are. You can't just look people up like you can now. Yeah. I mean, so now I know who it was. It was a producer, okay? And what they're doing is they're they're just saying to me, look, you know, we've got these drugs and we want to get them into parties. Uh, we want, you know, to do we want to do bigger sales. You know, this is when they're introducing the freebase concept. I mean, yeah, these people wanted to sell big bags full of cocaine and freebase. Okay, so what they were doing, that's all I knew is so what they wanted me to do is my connections. They said, you know, you know these people, they're your clients. So we want you to 
introduce them to this drug, get them introduced to the drug. Now, they had wanted us to bring in this drug into these Hollywood parties. So they're introducing me how to freebase it. They're showing me how to cook it. They're showing me how to smoke it. They're showing me the pipes. And they're saying, now, you know, go bring it to him. Introduce it to him. See if he likes it. Okay. You know, and then they're like, and if he does, then you come back and you can buy more from us. Okay. Uh, Give an example. I don't want to use names. God, I shouldn't use names. There was this very well-known director. I mean, big. Okay. And he was having a big party, and he had a lot of pull in Hollywood. And he was one of my regulars, okay? He, I would go spend time with him. So they told me, we want you to get him introduced to this drug. Okay, now this is when I started meeting Eddie Nash uh, also, because the cop, the Beverly Hills cop, introduced me to Eddie Nash, who owned, oh, God, what was that club's name? Oh, there's a big club in Hollywood that Eddie Nash owned. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to know more about the whole Laurel Canyon thing and John Holmes, and yeah, you'd have to understand how it all ties together because Eddie Nash was friends with John Holmes, and he owned this big club in Hollywood. Okay, and Eddie Nash also had gosh, how to explain all this. Eddie Nash also had this big house, and he was an Israeli. You know, and he would just have these huge mounds of pure, and I mean pure cocaine. And you know it's pure because they they taught me how to cook it to to cook it back and show that it was pure. Yeah. You know, and so, but what Eddie Nash wanted to do, he was the source of this pure cocaine. And then these other guys, this other guy with the cop, and this other guy at this house, which I can't remember producer, they wanted me to introduce through my connections, my clients, get them more introduced to this drug. And then they could buy the drug from Eddie Nash. But they're showing me how to use it. And that's actually what appealed um, to them about me was the fact that I did not use it. And this is where they're getting these huge amounts that they're having at their parties because it's through Eddie Nash who's supplying the nightclubs. Okay? Yeah. But this is where the the cop comes in. When they're driving all these drugs around town, they're doing it in these off-duty cop cars to protect the drugs so that no, it doesn't get stolen. In other words, right? Think about it. If you if you're with the government and you're trying to drive the market for cocaine, this is a new drug, and you people have never heard of it, and you're trying to make it glamorous and you're trying to make people want it that have never even heard of it before, right? Yeah. Well, you sit down at the table and start talking about producing a show like Miami Vice. You know? And Scarface and and all those those eighties movies. Absolutely, you know, and so Philip Michael Thomas was in Miami Vice, but at the same time, Sherry's on set, you know, and we're we're bringing in real life women on the set to the show, you know what I mean, to give it that flavor of authenticity. And it's all about glamorizing that whole lifestyle. Because we're selling it. We're literally selling it. I mean, they need people to want to buy this drug. They need people to want to sell this drug and to think it's cool and hip. And, you know, and that's what they're doing when they're creating these, these television shows. But to do that, they got to get the producers interested. So they're getting the producers on the drug so that they're interested. But that's part of what Chuck Ferris did. When he was out there running around doing his stuff, you know, and that's where... 
you know, he put the call out. I remember Sherry calls me up saying, do you got any girls that, you know, want to audition for this show, The Dating Game? Yeah. And I'm thinking, why on earth would any of us want to audition for the fucking Dating Game? Why? You know? Yeah. And she goes, well, don't any of your women want to be actresses? Uh, what has a dating game got to do with an actress? I mean, she, I'm not buying any of it. You know, she's trying to tell us, well, it's a great way to be an actress, to be on television, yada, yada. And I'm going, just level with me. What What's this all about? You know? Well, I, you know, I'm trying to get pretty girls over there to audition. Oh, uh, okay. Well, why don't you be a little bit more real with me about what's going on? Because don't, don't give me this, it's a way to become an actress shit. She goes, well, I did it. Why? Why would you do it? There is actually a very famous tape among our circle of Sherry, you know, on the dating game. So these women go on the show and they win. And they go on these dates. They get these dates in countries I have never heard of. Because I remember I'm watching the show and I'm hearing, you want a date on blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, where the hell is that? You know? Yeah. And you never heard of this country, right? And all I hear is, well, she's going on this trip, okay? Some country I've never heard of. And then, you know, weeks are going by, and I don't hear her back. Her apartment's empty. Her landlord's calling me up. Have you heard from her? No. I mean, you know, and I just start noticing. She hasn't come back. You know, and I'm calling around. Have, have you heard? No. She never came back. And, I mean, you have no way. When somebody's gone to another country like that back pre-Internet days, you have got no way of following up on something like this, yeah. right? You know, and you're following this away in the back of your mind, right? That, you know, oh, okay, maybe she liked, and you know, this is what you hear. Well, maybe she liked where she was and she decided not to come home. Oh, okay. And then I hear the second woman that has disappeared. But then, so I'm noticing that, that these audition tapes were being packaged up and they were being sent um, over to Saudi Arabia. And I said, you know, I said to Sherry, like, why? You know, like, I said, why are these audition tapes being sent over to Saudi Arabia for the dating game? What the fuck has it got to do with the dating game? You know? Yeah. And she just gives me this weird look. And I mean, you know, I start piecing together what's going on here. Because at the same time, I know that the Saudi Arabia guys have got a thing for American women. Yeah, okay. I start piecing together what's happening is that, you know, we're getting all these pretty women to make these tapes, and the tapes are going over there, and the guys are picking the ones that they like, and they're winning the, They're winning on the show, and they're, yeah, 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 I'm starting to piece together what's happening here. You know, the only problem is that I've now heard of two women that are not coming back home. Now, I don't know if that means that they liked where they were, or they didn't like what, I don't know what that means, because I, I just lose touch with these women, right? Yeah. That's when I got a phone call from somebody who told me he was a friend of Mike the Cop. And he said, Mike the Cop said that maybe you could help me. He said, you know, do you know anybody um, that doesn't have any family that you could refer me to? And I'm like, you know, why would I do that? You know? And he said, for $50,000 referral fee. And I'm like, okay, but why would I do that? Yeah, they're looking for women specifically who don't have a family that no one's going to ask questions when they disappear because there is a market for that. There are men that like American women and they like to own them, you know, and I, you know, all right. The guy was asking me, um, 
you know, if I'd be willing to, to give him any referrals for money. Now, in my mind, when he's telling me what he told me is that, well, you know, they're just going to, you know, disappear and be sold, essentially. Mm. Now, now I've been doing a lot of different errands and business appointments for these kind of guys, but this one took the cake. You know, I was like, look, I do a lot of things for you guys, but this is, no, I'm not doing something like this. I don't mind renting somebody and she comes home, but I'm not selling you somebody. No, you know, and they were like, um, they were like, but, but this is important to our country. You know, we've got important deals that we're working on. I'm like, I don't give a shit in my mind. I don't give a shit whether you're working on important oil deals or not. It's just something about important oil deals are working on, and these guys like American women, and it's important. And I'm like, I don't care. I am not being a part of this, right? And they kept pushing and pushing and upping the money, and they're like, certainly you must know someone that you can refer us to. And then they kept saying, no one will know, we'll protect you. And, and, I, and then I started thinking to myself, this is real. I mean, I kept thinking it was a joke at first, right? And then I'm like, no, this is real. So what, I, what I'm thinking, my thought process at the time, was I don't really know anything. All I know is some guy, some guy on the phone is telling me that this is an offer he's making to me. That's all I know. Yeah. So I don't have anything concrete that I can go to the police with and say this is some criminal operation selling women and you need to shut it down, right? And... So I don't have anything to go to the authorities with, in other words. So I thought to myself that I'm going to play along with this kind of thing and get a little bit more concrete information, like addresses, locations, names, you mm. know, something yeah. concrete, and then maybe I can go to the authorities about this, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, tell me, tell me more. I said, tell me more about how you're going to protect me and how this works. And he was like, well, we can show it to you. You know, he's like, basically, we can show you how it works. She told me something about uh, we're doing we're doing an operation. I think it was soon or that day or something. I don't know. He said, we're doing something soon. You can come watch, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I can come watch, you know. And he's like, yeah, he says, we're, we're taking care of a transport today or something like that. I'm like, okay. He says, meet me at the airport, you know. Uh, okay, you know, I mean, I'm, in the back of your mind, you're going, this has got to be a joke. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to go to the airport and find out what's what. You you go to the airport, what do you take your, you just drive your car up? Like, is this a regular airport, a small airport? What kind of airport are we talking? Well, there was a, uh, what, did, what do you call it, a charter? It was a charter, uh, with a private charter uh, parking lot or lot. Got you. They directed me over to where the private charters were. Gotcha. But this and is a major. A is this plane there? Is this a major airport or is this just a regular? LAX. Yeah, it was LAX. Okay. Yeah, and it was the area. All I know is it was the area where because they directed me to where the private charters were. Gotcha. Okay. And then they tell me that's the diplomat's plane, and I saw a car pull up, and there was a woman that had been. She was obviously drugged. I mean, she's obviously out of it, you know. And they're pulling her out of this car and they're loading her onto this plane. The guy shows up who tells me, claims he's CIA, you know, and he's like telling me, yes, that's a diplomat's plane. Yes, that's a girl that we're handling the transport today. And I mean, I don't believe what I'm seeing. I mean, the girl is obviously drugged and they're loading her onto the plane that they say is a diplomat's plane. What the hell am I supposed to do about it? 
I don't know. Evidently, diplomats claim you can't stop them. You can't search them. Because that's what happened. I went to find, I, you know, got back in my car, went back to find security. I started saying security, security. I found airport security. And, I mean, like a raving lunatic, I said, there is a woman that is drugged, and they're putting her on the plane over there in the charter area onto the diplomat's plane. You need to do something. The guy said, it's a diplomat's plane. There's nothing I can do. And I'm like, you don't understand. She's drugged. They're loading her onto the plane. You have to do something. And the guy just starts arguing with me. There's nothing we can do about it to stop the diplomat's plane. I call 911, you know, saying, this is happening. This is going down. Nothing we can do to stop a diplomat's plane. I'm just like, I don't believe what I'm hearing, you know. The, the CIA guy back in the parking lot, like I told you, he said, there's nothing you can do about this. And he's laughing his ass off. He thinks it's hysterical, and I'm trying to stop this. And then he says to me, you know, do you want to make some money at this guy? You're not stopping this. Do you want to make some money? Do you know anybody, you know, that you want to refer to us that, that you know, I'm like, uh, I mean, I just went on overload. If these people could do this, how do I know I'm not going to be loaded on that plane? You yeah. know? Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's just a freaky concept that we have that. I, I can't believe that we have that in this country. I can. <laughs> I mean, this CIA guy, I couldn't believe him. When I'm like, you know, obviously pretty upset about this this poor woman, right? He starts telling me that I have to understand that she's making a sacrifice for her country. Oh, Christ. Here and that I again. should be feeling very good about what she's doing. I'm going, what are you talking about? This to me reveals her mentality. He said, look, he said, she's just a worthless whore. She's probably going to die of an overdose before she's 22 anyway. She's probably going to die of something anyway. She doesn't give a shit about her life anyway. He said, you know, she's going off. She's helping us, you know, make a very important oil deal. You know, it's very important to our country. She actually is doing a service for her country this way. He said she's committing a very important act. You know, he said, you've got to understand that it's important. I mean, he's just giving me this whole patriotic speech about how she's important for the for the running and operation of this country and how she'll have more value in what she's done than she would ever have in her individual life. And, I mean, this is why I go on mental overload, Matt. This Seriously, this is why I go on mental overload. I just am just like, I mean, my brain can't even phantom what I'm hearing. No, I hear you, know you. I mean? me either. I lose it too. I can't stand it. I can't stand it because it is happening now. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, this is real. This is happening, you know, and, and I just kind of went staggering out of that parking lot. That's why I went back to the cop and I'm going, they're selling American women, you know, for oil deals, you know, stop them. And then, and then it was like, well, what do you want me to do about it, lady? And I'm like, what do you mean, what do you want me to do about it? Stop it, you know? And, and, I, and, I, and I was, what do you mean, we can't? There's no law against it. She's over 18, and she's agreeing to go. She can go, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. And, I mean, just, you know, spelling out for me that the police have limitations on what they can do. And I just, again, cannot believe what I'm hearing. It was not illegal for them to be selling American women to other countries for oil deals or or financing deals or whatever hell else deals they were telling me they were making because that's what was happening back then. It was not illegal. It was not illegal to sell American women, to sell them to China, Russia, Brazil, anywhere, Saudi Arabia. 
I said, if the country was aware that this was happening, they'd pass laws against it. But we're not being made aware that it's happening, you know, because we're we're not hearing about this on television. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, I mean, that, but exactly. There's a part of me that is thinking, I need to just get the hell out of this business entirely. Okay? Definitely. Um, but then I'm scared at the same time that I'm not going to be allowed to. All right? That I know too much. And then I've also got this mindset of I need to pull away from these people, My, especially this Beverly Hills cop guy. I mean, and Alex. I'm starting to get an idea that maybe this stuff is over my head and that I need to just concentrate on something of my own. And I figured if I concentrated on running the business in the Valley and stuck to the Valley, I could tell Alex, like, I'm just sticking to the Valley. You do your thing, I'll do mine. She was getting me sucked into things that were just over my head and scaring me. The day is getting on Market traders pack away their way The hours been and gone I listen for your footfall on the stair I'll never hear your voice Call up to me again And love is an addiction Beggars of us all And I shall take whatever comes my way A glimmer in the dark Attracts my restless eye A throwaway remark Your love is like the leaves upon the tree Someday those leaves will fall And winter comes to stay And love is an addiction That makes beggars of us all And I shall take whatever comes my way Oh. 